welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 17 through 21. Undisputed. Today, we're going to be talking about your authority in Christ Jesus. Your authority in Christ Jesus. That's the subtitle for today's message. And in this portion of Scripture, this is where Jesus began to hear the reports of the 70 that he had sent out to go and minister to the people that were in the region. And verse 17 says in the New King James, It says, then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They were so excited because they had results, you know. They came up against something that was bigger than them and stronger than them, but yet they realized that the name of Jesus was more powerful. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, whether that is reference to the beginning of time where he saw Satan cast down, I believe believe that's what it's referring to, or whether it was in that moment when they were exercising their authority, I believe it's referencing from the beginning of time where the Lord saw Satan cast down for his disobedience, stripped of all of his pomp and and, and weapons, if you will, and strength, and was cast down to the earth. This is what I believe. He said, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. These are all symbolic. This is symbolism representing spirits. Behold, I give you authority. Someone say authority. To trample. Say trample. Stomp. Stomp your foot. Stomp your foot right now. Stomp the other foot. That's what he's saying. I give you authority to take your feet. Now, he's not just talking about your physical feet, but he is talking about the feet of the church. Your authority to trample on serpents, scorpions, and all power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now, if you want to know whether or not your name is written in heaven, here's the, here's the sign and here's the evidence. It's when every demonic, evil, lying manipulative spear, whatever it may be that is coming against you, when you come with your authority and they obey, that's an evident sign that heaven is backing you up because heaven knows who you are. Heaven knows who you are. So so he goes on and he begins to say, 
In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise, the prudent, and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. In other words, it takes the mind of a child to comprehend, understand, and grab a hold of this. The simplicity of God's authority in our life is a product of a relationship with him. And I'm glad, I know you're glad, that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because by that, you have authority over any evil force, over every enemy, over everything that comes against you and your family, your careers, your destiny, whatever it may be. You have what it takes because you have Jesus in your life. Let's lift up our hands and ask God one more time. Just pray for the service. Anoint it. Yes, that, that means you speak over it. Release what's inside of you and say, Lord, set the atmosphere. Shift the atmosphere. I feel the anointing already in this house. I feel an undergirding of your authority here, God. We're going to speak and everything that isn't like you, God, will become conformed to you or become, God, thrown out, cast out in the name of Jesus, everything that's not like you in Jesus' name, Father, from one wall to the next. We pray in Jesus' name, fill this atmosphere, fill the room, and drive out everything, God, that isn't like you. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. One more time, give him some praise. Give him some praise. Thank you, Father. Turn to somebody and high-five them and tell them Jesus is the undisputed king of this world. And you can be seated. Jesus is undisputed. There is so much to say about this topic, but I do want to hit just on certain points. I want to hit on something that I think would be relevant for you in your life. I don't know if everybody is going through a battle. I don't know if everyone is struggling or anyone is struggling. Uh, life may be fine to you. My life may be okay. I do know, I do know that when you do start walking in the will of God and doing what God asks you to do and start reading the word and start praying like he asked you to and you start walking as a Christian, and you're holding hands with Jesus, I do know that there is some targets that are placed on you, or there are some arrows that come and they're shot at you. I, I do know that whether you like it or not, if you're a believer, you're still a target. Yeah. I do know that. And, and if you're not, if you don't feel like fighting, guess what? You're going to remain a captive, a captive. And that means that Satan or the devil will you know, it will, will put a ceiling over your life. In some cases, if you're doing well and you're content and you're happy with that and your needs are being fulfilled by the things of this world, then the devil won't mess with you. He may trip you up every once in a while. Or life, when life happens, you'll realize that you don't have any authority when those troubles come. That's an indication. That's what happens most of the time. Now, I mean, I'm not referring to anybody in this church, by the way, but I'm telling you, just generalizing how it really works is that sometimes in life, people can become content because of blessings. And they have a 
off-again, on-again relationship with God. And troubles come. And the proof of how much influence and authority they possess is known when the trouble comes, not when the good times are there. Does that make sense? The proof of your authority is found in the tough times, troubling times, moments of pressure, not during the good times when things are going well. So the whole objective for this sermon and this lesson is based on being prepared and being and walking in his authority and moving forward and not being pushed back. Because I believe that there are some that are trying to move forward and going beyond their own comfort zone and wanting to obtain everything God has for them. Yeah, I remind you, and I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again, everyone has a part in the kingdom. Everyone has a ministry. Everyone. Everybody. Turn around and point two or three fingers around and say, all of you have a ministry. Everybody has a ministry because God's called everyone. God didn't save everyone to sit on the sidelines. No, 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 no. God did not save you just to be comfortable. No way. No way. God saved you. He recruited you. He brought you into a battle. He brought you into the forefront. As a child of God, you are protected by God and his angels, and you have a mission, and you have a, a purpose in your life to seek and to save them that are lost, to help win over the lost of this world. And the last thing, the last thing your enemy would love for you to do is nothing. Did that make sense? Nothing. Listen to this. So Jesus told them, I give you power to tread on or to stomp on snakes, scorpions, and all the power of the enemy. This wasn't just a, a, a word of his, his insight for the moment, and he wasn't just trying to confirm what, what they just experienced. He was actually giving a known prophecy that we can find in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 is part of the curse. If you'll throw that up there, I'm going to read it to you. Listen to what happened. When sin entered into the world and Satan tripped up Eve and Adam, here's was, here, here was the consequence. Genesis 3, 14 and 15 says, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because... You have done this. Cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. And your belly you shall go. On your belly you shall go. In other words, slither in the lowest parts of the earth. And dust you shall eat all the days of your life. That's why we've taught here that Satan always, always feasts on dry places. That's why you have to keep your heart moistened all the time. That means that you have to restrain and stay away from carnality and also just maintain that, that tender and that sensitive heart that you get from the Holy Spirit. 
You know, every time you raise your hands or lift your voice or surrender to God in a church service, the, 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 the dew of heaven, the rain of God begins to fall in your heart and you begin to soften a little bit, become tender to him. And it's all preparation so we can sow the seed and it land on good ground. But he cursed the devil and said, I'll let you, eat, I'll let you feast and eat on the dry places but not the wet ones, not the saturated ones. They belong to me. So when it comes to our heart, this is where, this is where the devil feasts, and this is where he works on your mind and works on your thoughts. When, when you get hurt or upset or uh, bitter, it's all a source of what's your condition. And he said... Here's the prophecy. Here's the prophecy, and here's exactly what he said to him. Not only that, verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. She's going to have a baby, and you're going to recruit some other imps, but she's going to have a baby. And he, her child, shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Eve, you made a mistake, but one of these days I'm going to give you a son out of your own loins, through your lineage. You're going to have a child, and that child is going to have authority. That child is going to walk in a different dimension. And because of what he did to you now, when he comes, he's going to have authority in his life to trample over every serpent that comes into his world. And there is nothing that you can do about it, Satan, because that is your destiny. Your destiny is to get a bruised head and go and reply with a bruised heel. Nothing more. You can't do anything about it. This was a God-given right to his inherited. This was a God-given right. So when Jesus walked on this world, Jesus was walking in a promise. Jesus was given authority. He was given the right he was given something in his being that would cause him to resist all evil and that would cause him to damper it, to keep it down, to stump on it. You know, sometimes in your prayer time, you know what you need to do? You need to just stomp. Honestly, you need to just metaphorically, whatever you want to do, symbolically, uh, you know, just anal get, get, get in a mode where you're saying to yourself, devil... You ain't going to mess with me today. I prophetically, I, I just began to announce this day today, I'm going to trample on you because God gave me a promise about this. I'm a child of God. Jesus was the firstborn, but he gave me his spirit. And the same spirit that was in Christ 
is inside of me. So get off my children, get off my finances, get off my marriage, get away from my job, get away from, are you listening to me? I'm not just trying to make you funny. I'm not going to make you laugh or be funny. I'm trying to tell you, some of you need to get this moving in your mind. Get it in your spirit. Stop being bullied by a devil that, that has no height except at ground level below your feet. The devil has a high, has, has a, a ceiling over his life, and that is your foot. It's a promise. It was something that God gave. Jesus bruised Satan's head so many times in the New Testament. He cast out so many devils. Thousands were delivered by the power of God. The authority that God had given to his only begotten son was an example. That was an example that wouldn't die with him, but that would live on through us. The inheritance, the ability to walk in a royal state of authority, a royal state of authority, royal blood flows through your veins through the forgiveness and the mercy of Almighty God. And when the devil, if you can only see what you look like in the spirit world, Oh, if you can only see what you look like in the spirit world, you'd understand why you have the authority to speak what you need to speak. You're no longer in darkness. God brought you out of darkness into his what? Marvelous light. Marvelous light. I've seen a lot of lights in my lifetime, right? So have you. I think these LED lights are pretty cool. I think they're, you know, I like these colors. But I, I think the light of God has such more majesty and, and, and brilliance about it. And I don't think we can even comprehend. In fact, I think that light is so bright every time hell sees it, it kind of, I, I do, I do believe that. Oh, my gosh. Hijo, where's my glasses? Do you hate it when you lose your sunglasses? If you found out the secret to not losing your glasses, I don't, I'm not talking about the clips and little place you put them in. To let me know after church. A little device you can put on there. It's fine with your phone if you lose them. Let me know. But when I, when I feel like I've lost my light, because I think everybody's felt like they've lost their light before spiritually. When I feel like I lost my light, I, I, I can always go to the lamp. The lamp. Gee, look, look, Paul, I mean, David said, your word is a what? Lamp. And a light. Your word. So when the word is inside of you, this literally is the lamp, but the light comes from the spirit. And the Bible says that the spirit of man is the candlestick of the Lord. That's where the light comes from. And I know you know that, but you got to know that your light is out. Is your light out? 
Are you being bullied or are you just being left alone? Are you still living in a place where you feel you're, you're, you're captive, you're limited? I'm going to tell you something. I want to convey this just for this one moment. Um, if you think you've arrived to, your, to, your, to that place of success, you have been greatly deceived. Never, ever will God say, oh, that's wonderful, you did a great job. We're going to stop right there and just let you live there and just be comfortable. Just don't go win souls anymore. You've done your best. You're saved. I don't need you to go win souls anymore. What did I say, dummy hole? You don't know? No, don't tithe. I don't need your money. Don't pray for them. Let somebody else do it. This falls in the same category. Can I get back to my little? I was in the zone. Let me get back to it. No. You don't need another raise. Oh, you became the, the manager? Oh, that's wonderful. Congratulations. You became the manager? That's so good. Guess what? No more promotions. That's it. I'm so proud of you. When God really wants to make you the owner. When God wants you to walk in a ministry where it's not just your headaches that he's healing, it's somebody else's disease. There are no limits and no ceilings in God's kingdom. So, so, so you did a great presentation at work. Wonderful. You see, God wants you to give a bunch of presentations called Bible studies. Does anybody give Bible studies anymore? I mean, I'm going to tell you, that was the thing, man. That was the thing when God saved me. The thing was get your Bible, get a Bible study, watch somebody want to get baptized, watch somebody say, I want the Holy Ghost, I want the Holy Spirit, watch someone say, Lord, I give you my life today. You are made to be disciples. I mean, how many of you like to go fishing? How many of you like to go hunting? How many of you like to see an adventure? Well, I'm going to tell you something. When you really have and understand the joy of our salvation, there is nothing like seeing a family member or a friend or a stranger come to Christ because you put out the bait. God gave it to you, but he, they got hooked on Jesus. And guess what? He reeled them in by his love, and he got them going. But you were part of that process, and I'm going to tell you something. I don't care how many mounts you've got on your wall. There's nothing greater than seeing a life changed and seeing God do something with it. You were meant to be a soul winner. You were designed, ma'am, sir, to go out and win souls. That's why you're so influential in that area. It wasn't just to be successful. It was to be an evangelist. Who am I talking to? I'm telling you, God's talking to somebody. Just keep looking forward. Don't give yourself away. God made you to be a prophet, not to give out these feel-good prophecies and not to go up and say, if you don't make Get your life right, you're going to hell. I mean, come on. That's just like, that's just like saying when it's raining, if you walk outside, you're going to get wet. <laughs> but if you want to prophesy, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff in here. 
He can prophesy over your life just by reciting this word. Give somebody the truth. Give somebody the love of God through this word. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. In the church, in the church, we, are, we have been held captive by blessings. Because if hell can't trip you up with trials, he won't stop those blessings. He'll let them all come in. And even sometimes add to it. But there's sorrow that comes with it because there's compromise. I believe every good and perfect gift comes from above. But I also believe that there are times where Jesus was approached that we can relate to. And Satan told him, hey, look, look at, look at all the riches of the world. When he took him to the high place. Look at all of that. If you'll fall down and worship me, I'll give it all to you. Sometimes you have to recognize the source. When God blesses me, it comes. I know it's from God because my relationship with him gets stronger. That's how you know. The blessings that come to me don't take me away from God. The blessings that come to me just bring me back to God. Gratitude, right? Gratitude. Thanksgiving. And so... This is what the church has to recognize. Now, let me get on to the point and to the lesson. The whole point is, is that Jesus was the first example to show us how to war, show us the kind of authority that we have. Uh, it, it tells us in the word that we are supposed to be renewed by the spirit of our mind, right? Renewed by the spirit of our mind. And then we're to take on the whole armor of God and walk in with the joy of our salvation, right? Walk with the helmet of salvation. Walk with the footsteps and the sandals of the gospel to have the breastplate of righteousness, to have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to have the shield of faith, to have equipped, be equipped with God. So why? So we can defy the devil and the wiles that he has and the trickery and all the things that trip us up, to be aware not to be blindly approached, not to walk like a zombie. Oh, they walk like this. <laughs> and fall into the same entrapment all the time, walking blindly. Be careful who you follow, by the way. The blind lead the blind into the ditch. And if you're getting your counsel from somebody who has a bitter spirit, always offended, upset, angry, insecure, whatever it may be, guess what? It won't be long. You'll be talking just like them. You'll be living just like them. You'll be acting just like them. And you're going to be laughing just like them. <laughs> that irritated laugh, nobody like. <laughs> like a witch, right? You ever notice that about people? You ever notice that when you hang around somebody, you almost start picking up their laughter the same way they laugh, talking just like they talk? Who are you walking with? Because when you're different and you're a target, be careful. Because 
your experience isn't the same as other people. That's why you can't be unequally yoked. When somebody doesn't want to follow God and you do and, and you lose them and they are taken out of your life and you feel like you've been rejected by them, can I give somebody a word? Sometimes rejection is protection. Rejection is protection because God loves you so much and you're his child and you are the one who really wanted to follow after him. You are the one who really wants to see the blessings of God in your life. Your heart is different. That's why God has to sever some relationships in your life. Don't be down and depressed when God gets rid of a Jonah in your life. Rejoice. Be happy because the storm's fixing to go. The blessings are fixing to come and everything's going to go in your favor. But you have to have discernment, and you have to have on your equipment, and you have to be conscious, and you got to walk in righteousness, and you have to be able to understand that your righteousness is like filthy rags, but to be obedient to him establishes a righteousness in your life. And my whole purpose in life is to simply obey what he says. Obey what he tells me to do. Obey exactly to the T, to the dotting of the I, the crossing of the T, everything God has said. And I promise you, if you'll walk with him, if you'll walk with him, there isn't a devil in this world. There isn't a problem you can't overcome. There isn't a demon in this world that can stop you from accomplishing the will of God in your life. Turn to somebody and tell them, you have a higher purpose. You have a higher purpose. Now turn around to the person that you didn't say anything to and tell him, he said, you have a higher purpose. Because if you think for one moment that you have arrived, you are deceived because God is everlasting. He's eternal. He's a big dreamer. He's got great big plans for you, right? God isn't limited in anything. God has more for you. That's why I don't see anything. Let me talk to our, to our elders right now in age. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. I read this Bible and I can't, tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't read anywhere in this word where God says, when you reach a certain age, you need to retire. I mean, you may be aiming for 62, and that's like your promised land, right? 62, oh, hallelujah. Let's go, let's go buy that RV and travel the world. You wouldn't make it to San Antonio, Texas with enough gas in that thing. <laughs> Retirement? Hold on a second. Moses was 80-something years old when God called him to come out of Israel. I'm not saying you're not going to have a good life. When it comes to living for God, you're still a child of the king. You're still a warrior. You're still available, right? You're available still because, listen, your prayers can move mountains still. Your prayers can move mountains. I'm going to tell you something. I got a few people in my life that I, got, I can count them on my hand right here. They don't go beyond that, but I can count them in my hand. I've got a, a, a handful of, of ladies, ladies in my life, that when I'm going through a problem, I give them a call, and I tell them, I need you to cover me in prayer. I lost my mama but there have been people that God has placed in my life to be my spiritual mom. 
I lost my daddy when I was six, but God has placed spiritual dads in my life that walk in a different kind of an authority. And I give them a call when I feel like I'm above you know, some things in my life and some things are above me. And I promise you, I promise you, those people that are in my life, if I ask them to pray for me, ask them to lay hands on me, whatever it may be, I promise you something is going to happen. Something is going to happen because throughout the years, they didn't stop growing. They continued to pray. They didn't give up when, when hard times came. They faced hard times with hard prayer times, and they began to grow in God. They outgrew the milk and went into the meat. That's what I'm saying. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. You got me going now, girl. Mm. I wish there was somebody who knew how to pray in this house. I wish there was somebody who knows that when you kneel down in prayer, hell is going to begin to get scared. Hell is going to begin to tremble. They're going to say to themselves, come in, come in. She's kneeling down again. Come in, come in. They're beginning to praise again. There's going to there's gonna be a storm coming. I'm going to tell you something. Just like meteorologists know when the storm is coming, don't think for one moment hell knows when you begin to pray, doesn't know when you begin to pray, and know when there's a storm coming in their life. I heard, I heard this before. You've heard it before, I'm sure, where the person, someone said, get ready, the storm is coming. And a Christian replied and said, I am the storm. I have the peacekeeper, the windmaker in my life. Jesus looked at a storm and said, peace be still. And the men looked at him and said, what kind of man are you? I wish he would have replied in that moment. I, I, this is just my thinking. I wish he would have said, you're not only looking at a man, you're looking at a God. I wish he would have said, the kind of man that was there in the beginning and helped create this world. I'm not just a man. I'm not just any kind of a man. I am the son of God. I wish at one moment, gee, but he was so humble, he wouldn't have done that. I would have, but anyhow. <laughs> Point number one. Stomping on the devil is a promise. Do it. Do it right where you're sitting. Do it. Come on, somebody. Do it. I know it seems stupid. That's why you need to do it. Get into the routine. Get into the routine. Get it into your spirit. It's a promise to put your foot on his head. It's a promise to put your knee in his neck. Oh, and I'm getting, I'm getting. It's coming out, Anita. It is a promise for you not to be fearful, but to look at every one of your circumstances and say, this is nothing. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let me read this. i got to move on. It is God's will for you to walk in the revelation of knowing that you can do everything through Christ Jesus. Just remember, 
You and I, you and I are no match for the devil, but Jesus is the biggest, greatest match. He is the great I am, and he is the one who can step into any present circumstance. When you have Jesus in your life, you and I are no match for the devil. We don't fear the devil. I mean, he doesn't fear us, but there is someone in you that he fears. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? There have been people that have tried to walk in authority they did not have. They did not have. The sons of Sceva were some of them. Do you remember that story? They came to someone in the New Testament. The sons of Sceva came, and they were trying to cast out a demon. They had seen Paul do it. They had seen the disciples do it. They heard of Jesus doing it. They had heard about Jesus, and they, had, they were so excited about it. That's why people who don't carry an anointing, and they go into battle, they, they, they almost just stir up a beehive, a wasp nest, whatever, hornet's nest. All they did was stir it up. And then when they get stung, I... wait a minute. I'm a shout of God. Right? I... What's going on? I thought I had the power. And the... Well, you, you, that's the problem. You have it, but it don't have you. Oh, Thank you, Jesus. You have it. You have it. Kind of like a, you know, like a quarter. It's every once in a while just to get what you need. But they don't have you because when it has you, it flows out of you. I mean, surrender. And, 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 and the sons of Sceva went up, and they said to a demonic individual, I adjure you. Like they had authority. It's like us going to a theater, watching an Avenger movie, and trying to go home and reenact it by putting a cape on. <laughs> I promise you, your wife and children would not be impressed. They know the difference. But so does the devil. You read the book, that's great. But you got to do more than read the book. It's like seeing a movie. You got to begin to walk it out. Walk it out. I know what some of you want me to dance right now. I heard that. <laughs> got to learn. So they said. He said, I adjure you by the God whom Paul preaches, Jesus Christ. And the devil and the, and the demon spoke out. <laughs> it spoke out to him. And I don't think it was a soft feminine, feminine voice. I think it kind of went something like this. Jesus, I know. Hijo. <laughs> you know? Paul, I know. Pero quien es? Did I say it right? But who are you? It's a Mexican devil. Right? But who are you? 
and ripped off their his clothes, kicked him out of the house, and he didn't know what to do. Even the disciples in the bottom of a hill tried casting out a demon. See, nobody talks about casting out demons anymore because we're supposed to be a seeker-friendly church. You know, friendly church. I pray God in Jesus' name, never let this church be in a place where we don't ever cast out demons or people get delivered from them. I mean, you know, it can be very simple at times. Sometimes people walk in an oppressed state where demonic forces are influencing them on their backs like a monkey. Other times people have opened up their life willingly and lived a sinful life contrary to the word of God. And this is where you get yourself in trouble when you open up your heart completely and you say, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what the church says. I don't care what Pastor Bobby says. I don't care what the word says. I'm going to do what I want to do. And you start acting on that. Then you give an open place to the spirit. That's where demon possession comes in. So repent. <laughs> Don't get caught up in that junk. But most of the time, I'm going to tell you what's going on in your life right now, because I know that's what's in any of you. People are entertaining things. They're going in and out. Oh, it's Sunday. Oh, it's the Tuesday. Oh, it's Wednesday. Oh, it's Saturday night. Right? But most people do, right? Hijo, Saturday night, man, let's get ready. <laughs> yeah, then Sunday morning, I love you, Jesus. <laughs> All the little children of the world, whatever. Well, you, you're walking in both places. I'm just going to say it, hypocrite. Um, is that too hard? I'm sorry. Mr. Hypocrite. Yeah, you guys are so, too much, man. Too much. Pastor Bobby, I'm just going through so many things right now. I just Nothing's working for me. And I don't know what to do. And no wonder I was riding my bike. I saw you walk out of two steps. No wonder. Jesus, that's the name of it, two steps or three steps. Haven't danced in a long time, maybe four. You can't be doing those things, man. Make up your mind. Listen, listen, can I just tell you something? I, I, I wasn't raised in church. I used to smoke dope, okay? Oh, excuse me, marijuana. <laughs> I used to drink. I used to party. And I woke up horribly feeling just bad. But since I got in church, you know what's coming up. You know what I'm fixing to say. I've never had a higher high than the Holy Ghost because I learned how to drink. I learned how to tap in. I learned how to tap into the peace of God. I learned how to get drunk in the spirit, stay there long enough where I feel a joy unspeakable and full of glory. I learned how to walk in authority, not being fearful anymore, not wondering what's behind me, who's behind me, because every Christian that walks with God knows they have no past 
only a future in Christ Jesus, and nothing can hinder that. Let me move on. Let me move on. I've, I've, I've done a lot of antics. Forgive me. Here, here's what I need to give you. I'm going to go through some scriptures. I'm going to give you some arrows right now. Because really, most of you have been trying to do this your whole life, but you've been unable to hit the target. You've been unable to hit the target. Your aim is off. You're, you're, you're shooting things out there. This is an archer's target. Did you know that in Psalm 64, the scripture says that the enemy has, has made their tongue like a sword and has shot out words like piercing bitter arrows? Go read it. Go read that. And, and did you know, grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles real quick, just real quick. Go with me to uh, Hebrews. Go with me to Hebrews really quick. Hebrews chapter 8. I believe it's chapter 8. Oh, I think it was 5. I'm so sorry. Hebrews chapter 5. I want you to look at verse 11. Verse 11, I want to show you something that this is the first outer barrier of this target. This is where most people hit because this is where they are. Verse 11, 5 and 11 says, About this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull in hearing. For through, uh, since you have become dull in hearing, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled. Everyone say unskilled. unskilled. In, the word of, in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Now speaking of maturity, God encourages us to be as a child in faith, but he also expects us to walk in maturity as a grown person. So it says here, you're unskilled. That means that you can shoot and you can still miss. You're not very good at hitting the target. That's why many times most of us, when we begin to, to come back at our situation and say, in Jesus' name, there's still something missing and it carries no authority. Because you've read about it, you've seen it, you've heard it, you've heard the preaching, but you've not exercised it. So when someone else says it versus what you say, they get results because they have got themselves skilled in the word of God. You can only develop a skill by what? Practice. Practice. Experiencing it. And so it says, but solid food, which is for the mature, but those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Constant practice. Constant practice. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me show you what this is right here. This is, let's call these people. No, let's, let's do this. See if this makes sense to you. 
Oops. Sorry. Janine said, I spell the right sitters. Janine is my sister from another mister. I depend on her to tell me when I spell things right to say things right. So what? These are the sitters. The sitters hit the outer edges and never hit the bullseye. The bullseye is what you're aiming for. I mean, you want to hit the devil right between the eyes. Right? You know? Again? You want to hit the devil right between the eyes. But here's where the sitter is. Who are the sitters? Well, those are the people. Keep looking forward. Don't look around at anybody else. And please don't look at someone else. But these are the people who come to church because they feel like they have to. Or they do it religiously, but not relationally. Big difference. These are people that come to church and they will sit down because everyone saw them at church and they feel like, <sighs> yes. I went to church, selfie. You know, <laughs> right? At the house of God. Right? Just so everyone will know and their family will know. And they come and sit, but after they leave, there's no change. So they wonder why when they get in trouble, or they wonder why they're facing something that there's no results. No results. Are you ready for the next one? Here, here's in this one. I call this the in and outers because I love in and out. Right? And these people these people are in and out. Speaks for itself. These are the people who come and they're very sincere now we're talking about other people outside this church i'm not talking about anyone in here but i think you need to know about them or know the the how why it's not working for them so we need to help them right so so the in and outers are people who they they do love god and i think a lot of the, a lot of all of these love god i mean i think they do i know they do but they just lack one thing discipline commitment. The in and outers are the people who are really religious and good on Wednesdays and Sundays. They come, they participate, they clap their hands, they shout an amen, praise the Lord, they look good in front of and they're really doing it sincerely. But the next day, Hey, it's me. Did you hear? <laughs> I know, man. You know, I'm going to cut her off at the knees. Can you believe it? Hey, or, or, or the attitude is, hey, don't talk to me that way. You know who I am? No, but I know who you're not. <laughs> or it's just... The person that 
hasn't got a changed heart because they, they don't know the power of forgiveness in their life. And people who have been given mercy show mercy. You understand what I'm saying? They're, in other words, here's what the in and outers do. They come to church, but they never, let, they never left everything at the cross. They never left anything at the cross. They're still carrying offense, bitterness, hatred, hurts, and they're not leaving things at the cross. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, there's complete additions being added, and the cross is what is brings subtractions. And that's why when they try to compute things in their life, it doesn't add up correctly because they forgot to clear the last problem. That was so good, it needs to be a sermon. You have so many additions, you didn't have time to take some subtraction in there so we can try to work out the next problem. It doesn't add up correctly. Every once in a while, I say every day, you need to clear it by repentance and saying, God, forgive me. God, I forgive them, not just yourself, but them. So people that come to church but are really never changed, they look, they're excited about the game. You know, they're excited about the interact. They're excited about it's emotional. But when they come, they really didn't let God change them through repentance and surrender. These are the in and outs. Now I'm going to give you the third one. Are you ready? Okay. I'm going to call these the newbies. The newbies. Oh, you can't see that very well. It's okay. We'll do it in that. The newbies. You can be living. I'm almost done. Come on up. I'll tell you when to play, but just come up here so they'll believe. It does something to their psyche. The newbies. Didn't Paul say that you should be eating meat, but you're still drinking milk? You know what he was saying? You guys have been in church for a long time is what he was telling the Hebrews. You've been in church for a long time now, and you're still on milk. There are people, you have to understand, in the kingdom of God, just because you've been going to church for 10 years or 20 years does not mean that you've outgrown the baby stage. Oh, boy, this is going to make somebody mad. I know, but it's okay. Got to tell you the truth. I love you. I love you very much. And, and somebody's got to tell you that being a Christian is more than just coming to church and just going through a ritual of routine without taking a risk, with, with, with you know, more than just uh, without taking a risk. You have to take a risk in what you're learning and what you're doing. You have to grow past it. You're past the in and out stage. You're past, you're not a sitter, but you're still now you're in a constant flow. The newbies are people who come in. They do love God, but they've begun to establish a routine or they've made it a religion. Even if they reach the chapter a day, if God is telling them, I want more, they'll stop right there because they've made a religion out of it. 
or if God wants you to pray and you pray for your regular routine. This is why most people, when I ask them, how's your prayer life? What's going on? Man, I pray every day. Do you really? How often do you pray in the Spirit? Man, it's been a while since I've actually really pressed in and been a while since. Can I encourage you? Strive for your prayer language. Strive for your prayer language. If God's given you your prayer language, and how many of you know what I'm talking about when I say prayer language? How many of you know I'm talking about tongues? I'm not going to sidestep it. I'm just going to, I'm trying to teach. How many, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about, praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, whatever, it, whatever you call it. We call it a prayer language to help people understand that that's just not a something weird that you do and mumble jumble. It is a, it is a spirit speaking through you, and we can teach you about that. It's a real experience. But, but, but you see, God said, for the Spirit helps us with groanings that cannot be uttered, and he that searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. For sometimes we don't know what to pray when we ought to, but the Spirit helps us. The Spirit helps us. And, and these are the newbies that still, they come into church, they're doing everything, they were, you know, they're following it to, to the team, but they're, going, they're not going beyond it because it's routine. Because sometimes you can kneel in prayer and give God your five minutes or ten minutes. And, and God, it's like there's something, excuse me, there's something inside of you that says, give me more. I want more time with you. Because the spirit inside of you is hungry. You can feel it. It burns. And you can, how many of you know what I'm talking about? And, and you know, even if you feel dry, try, try getting the water go, the river flowing again. And you can feel that desire come up and he'll, and he'll mess with you. The Spirit of God will begin to mess with you. It'll begin to just move on you right when you're about to binge on Netflix. Right when you're about to just go out and hit the buffet, God tells you, I want you to eat vegetables and pray. Vegetables? Oh, God will mess with you just to see. But I learned every time I've been obedient, grace comes in. I feel the power of God, the strength that I needed to overcome. What, what, what this stage is right here, this stage is a place of complacency. A complacency. It's routine. Yes, you're praying. Yes, you're reading your Bible. But you need to get to this place. Oh, this is going to... This is going to... The fanatics, did I spell it right? The fanatics. Oh, my God, don't be a fanatic. My uncle told me one time, he saw me carrying my Bible. He saw me carrying my Bible, and it wasn't church. It was on an off day, and I was, well, I was just reading my Bible, and he said, oh, my God. He said, you know, he said, don't be a fanatic. This is my food. You ever seen anybody carry their lunchbox? Right? A lot of people now, it's very trendy to have your vitamin drink with you, right? You carry your vitamin drink and you keep it at your desk at work. What's wrong with me having my Bible? Hungry. When I, when I, people have asked me before, um, 
How do you know when to stop praying? How do you know that you've prayed enough? The answer to them is this. This is what I reply. Here's the answer. You pray till you can't stop praying. And you walk away from that and you walk in a spirit of prayer. And throughout the day, there's a melody in your heart and you don't even hear any music, but it's in your spirit. And you're praying into your breath at times. And sometimes it'll hit you. And you just begin to give God some praise. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And then you, you just feel that you got to have a word. And, 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 and you got to have something that it can re- you can relate to and that matches that. And then you just start opening your heart, speaking with your mouth. And you start saying things like, I will bless you at all times, Lord. And your praise shall continually be in my mouth. Greater are you, God, today in, this, in my life, in this day. And God, I can do all things through you. Thank you. It just has to come out. It has to come out. And you walk in that place. That means that you are feeding the spirit man, that you are feeding the Holy Ghost, that he is growing inside of you. So when you let go your word, see, the Bible says that the enemy shoots words at us like arrows, bitter arrows, bitter words. So if the enemy is in torments us that way, and it shoots arrows at us that are bitter. I have prayed for people who have, have been hit by arrows, and I can see them. Sometimes you can just tell there have been words that have hit them, things that have been said, things that have happened, and you can almost see people have just arrows on their back, arrows that just, just are wounded by it because hell's thrown something at them that's why you got to stop listening to the wrong voices and the wrong people and the wrong feelings and the wrong emotions because they're nothing but arrows being pierced at you and constantly thrown at you but if that happens to us that means that if their words torment us if hell's words torment us then that means that the words that the spirit speaks through my mouth will shoot him as an arrow and will torment them because I'm not the one aiming anymore. The Holy Ghost is aiming inside of me because I've become a fanatic. I love the Word of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've spent time in prayer. I've felt his presence in the name of Jesus. Every time, every time to walk in an authority in Christ is to know him and the fellowship of his suffering in the power of his resurrection that means that whenever i felt like things were dead in my life god through his grace and his power has resurrected my dead circumstances and raised my faith and i know that's why i'm not scared if god kills it he can bring it back to life there's no end to god god is able to do all things does anybody get what i'm trying to tell them this sunday morning You have an authority in your life. You have a power in your life. You have an ability to always hit the mark. It should surprise you if it doesn't happen. But you have that authority in your life. You have the ability to see mountains move. 
You have the ability to cast out demons. You have the ability to drive them out of your homes, out of your children, out of your family, out of your workplace. It doesn't matter. You are a child of God, and you have the God-given ability to walk in his favor and walk in his blessings because you're not just somebody. You're everything to him, and he loves you so much, and he loves you so much. If you love him, stand to your feet. Just, just for a moment, lift up your hands. Lift up your heart to tell him, Lord, I surrender. God, I want to hit the mark. I don't care what anybody says. Make me a fanatic, God. Make me a fanatic. When we belong to Christ, the enemy never has the final word over us. God's word does. That's the key. That's what you have to remember. When you belong to Christ, the enemy never has the final word over us. God's word does and his word says you are victorious and his word says you're covered by the blood and his word says that you are an overcomer in this world our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus if our ministry has impacted you in any way we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org you can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.